just for you. And in the meantime, I'm going to pull up the scripture, which comes from Isaiah this morning. It is Isaiah chapter 25, starting in verse 6, all the way through verse 9, and I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible this morning. So, last call for kids to get in the back. We don't want you here. I'm just kidding. We definitely do. We definitely do. You're welcome to stay or go. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Isaiah 25, starting in verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud enshrouding all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord will wipe tears from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace from off the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good and great God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, because you, God, are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Yes, after after Julia's uh, comment to the kids about staying or leaving on the way over to the sanctuary, I'm sure they're singing, should I stay or should I go? So before the pandemic... Before the supply chain problems that we have now, and we'll probably have for at least another year, I got my first same-day delivery on Amazon. And it felt weird. I mean, I was happy that it was delivered the same day, but it, but it felt spooky weird, like, I'm not sure this is a good thing kind of weird. But you know what? God has been providing same-day delivery since way before Amazon started, way before Amazon the river started. Now, God doesn't offer same-day delivery on everything, as I'm sure you know. There are things I've been waiting for and praying for for a long time, and I'm sure I'm not the only one here. There are probably things you've been praying for for years, and they still haven't come to fruition or materialized quite. But but there's this one thing, from my experience anyway, that God has always offered same-day delivery. Praying for patience. Now, I want to be clear. Now, it's not that praying for patience means that you become patient the same day you pray for it. At least, It hasn't worked that way for me. But what same-day delivery, when you pray for patience, means is that God's never waited a day after that or a week after that to provide me the opportunities to um, test and grow my patience. Sometimes you used to tell the story this way. If you pray for patience, God will bring the three most obnoxious people in the county across your path. But I want to clarify, in case some of you started listing those people in your head, 
do you know who the three most obnoxious people in Ellis County are? Don't answer out loud. Don't put it in your connection card. Just, just keep it inside because um, that list isn't the same for everybody. Now, to my knowledge, none of you are on my list. But I also know I was going to say this, so I intentionally didn't make a list. So I think God has this ability to bring, say, the three most challenging people for each of us right to our doors the same day, any day we pray for patience. I hope I'm not on your list. Anyway. I think this happens. I think God is faithful, same-day delivery faithful and praying for patience. Because the only way we get patience is by testing our patience. Patience can't come in a box that you open up and just, you have it. It comes by practice. For that reason, a lot of us don't pray for patience very often. Because you tried it once, right? You're not going to go down that road again. So today for all saints, I invite you to consider with me the pun of the day, the weight of glory. It reminds me of, uh, of one of the first classes I took in seminary. It was Greek exegesis. Exegesis means to draw the meaning out of the words that are written down, not putting your own message into those words. Now, I'm kind of skeptical, honestly, since then, that anybody does pure exegesis because we always bring ourselves and our experiences, our stories, the, the lives that we've lived to the text. But exegesis is this serious, sincere attempt to go to, to draw the meaning out of the text. And so in the New Testament, first semester of seminary, we studied the word from Greek translated hope, and that word is elpis. Can you say elpis? Great, you can all speak Koine Greek. That's awesome. So, we learned by looking at all the, the context of every time the word hope is used in the New Testament that it's an active hope. It's not a passive hope. It's not a, well, I hope something happens and then kick back and wait for it to happen. It's the kind of hope that if I hope this happens, I start acting expectantly like it's going to happen. It's like our activity helps us move towards whatever it is that we're hoping for. So hope in the New Testament is an active, not a passive hope. And that's how patience works. There's no such thing as getting patience passively. The only way we get patience is by practicing it. If you want to become more patient, you have to practice being more patient. Because you remember last week we talked about, I talked about how infants will try and fail up to 70 times an hour to get up and walk and they fall down, and they'll fail up to 70 times an hour, they do not give up trying to walk. I believe becoming more patient is an important part of growing as disciples. Like today's scripture indicates, I'm going to read it all again. It's a short reading, but it's a really good one. From Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, a select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. He, referring to God, will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud enshrouding all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away tears from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace 
from off the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. On this great promised day, a day that's coming, they will say, look, this is our God for whom we have waited. He has saved us. This is our Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. We have waited for God. And God saved us. Surely God has saved us. We might know this more fully today, 2000, more than 2,000 years after the prophet wrote this, more than 2,000 years after Jesus, we know this more fully than they did. And yet I wonder if there isn't some angst, some dread, some exhaustion among us right now that responds to this maybe with a, I don't feel very saved at the moment, or sometime. So last week, well, the second direct reference to last week's message, it must have been awesome. I said something about how tired everyone was having lived this far through the pandemic. And after worship, two different people told me you felt like I was saying that directly to you. I did not have you specifically in mind when I said that. I had all of us in mind. And this message isn't like Nehemiah's message where they're celebrating finally being back in the land after all those years of exile and they've been able to rebuild the wall. This message is delivered when Isaiah writes it to God's people when the threat of exile is still right before them. It's like they can see it coming. They can taste it coming. They can imagine how things are going to be. And into that threat, Isaiah reminds God's people with this beautiful poetic language that God has saved them. So God has saved, God is saving, and God will save us. We find, we find salvation referred to in all those tenses throughout the scriptures. So don't let your present circumstances fill you with despair. How do we keep our present circumstances from filling us with despair? We learn to wait. Especially today. Today when we observe All Saints Day on All Saints Eve or All Hallows Eve or Halloween, we're reminded that we wait. Listen again to the promises we wait for. On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. I said choice wines twice. So did he. Hmm. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud enshrouding all nations. So there's something big here that God is going to do that the prophet is talking about. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe away every tear from every face who will remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. We will name some of those whom we've lost in the last year, 
some of the names that have been shared, I think were lost before this last year. It's all right. There's no doubt we won't name everyone. You may have thought, thought of somebody else. You may think of somebody else on your way out of the service. But let's not play this down. We have lost people. Playing that down, shrugging it off, refusing to pray for patience, it leaves us where we were before the loss, only without the people or the person that we've lost. I still struggle sometimes when I remember how I reacted when my dad died. And my struggle comes from feeling like I didn't do it right. Like I didn't grieve the right way. Is there a right way to grieve? I don't know if there's a right way to grieve. I know there's a wrong way to grieve. And the wrong way to grieve is not to grieve. To ignore the hurt and the loss and the change in your own life because somebody else isn't here anymore. And it's not just death that we grieve. Every loss that we experience brings us grief. Hold on to that for a moment. Every loss that we experience brings us grief. Have you felt any loss at all in the last 18 months? Even some that you think of and you think, ah, that's too small to list. No, if it's a loss, then you've experienced, then you have grief, whether you've grieved it or not. And the, I think the only wrong way to grieve is not to grieve. So today we remember the saints who have gone on before us. The saints who aren't waiting anymore. And in remembering the saints that aren't waiting anymore, we acknowledge that, that we're still waiting. But we wait hopefully, we wait expectantly, hoping and expecting God to continue to save us in the midst of the times we're living in. And to save us in a way that, that draws others in too. Because God will make a feast for all peoples, the prophet said. He didn't say he'd pick a few out and throw a party for them in the back. God will make a feast for all peoples. God will swallow up the veil that's veiling all peoples, the shroud that is shrouding all the nations. God will swallow up death forever. God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace from the whole earth. God will do these things. And until they're done, we wait. Life here and now is learning and practicing patience. Waiting and grieving happen at the same time. Maybe grieving is learning how to wait and still live. Because we don't just grieve, but grief is a part of life as we go on. You, you, you never get to a point that the loss doesn't feel anymore. So remember your loved ones. <clears throat> remember how they waited when they were still here. 
Remember their lives. Remember their lives, warts and all, because sometimes the warts make the funniest stories. And give thanks to God for God's having seen them through, for God's having taken them through their waiting and welcomed them into glory. Because God is faithful and God always sees his people through. God will see you through. God will see us through. And waiting will be involved. Way more waiting than any of us wants. Isaiah cast this, this beautiful vision of God's kingdom. And a lot of the imagery of this vision probably sounds familiar because Jesus draws on it several times. The, the book of Revelation draws on this exact verbiage as well. It's borrowed because of the beauty with which Isaiah expresses the truth that we wait and God provides. That God is faithful. That waiting is an absolutely essential, unavoidable part of living here and now. Waiting doesn't always feel good, but learning to wait is good. And the way we learn to wait is by waiting, by practicing, by, by being here together. Our lives are full of waiting. Even if Amazon's trying to do away with it. Our lives as followers of Jesus are full of waiting. Today we focus especially on the waiting we do in grief. The waiting with our sense of loss, our feeling of loss, as we remember those who have finished the race, they've already gone on to join the great cloud of witnesses before us. And we wait. We don't just wait passively for someday when we join the great cloud. We wait active, expectant for this beautiful vision of the world God has for us. The world that God is faithful and will provide because God is faithful as we wait. So wait well. As you practice, learn to be patient with yourself. Even if it feels strange, learn to be patient with yourself. Because this waiting that is just part of our lives is preparing us for the glory God has for us. 